Thanks for joining us for season two of the Hospitality Hangout. This is a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner, Michael Schatzberg, known as my very special, the Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy, and all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let our listeners know that at the end of the show, we're going to have a special invitation uh, to share with our audience, courtesy, and on behalf of our guests today, and on behalf of Branded. Stick around to the end, and we'll talk about that as we wrap it up. We're very excited today to introduce our guest. Uh, it goes out saying Shatsy and I have been big fans and love all of our guests, uh, but maybe not all equally. Um, but today, <laughs> we want to introduce our very good friend, Mr. Bo Peabody. In addition to being the co-owner of Meze Restaurant Group, Bo is also the executive chairman of Seated and an overall hospitality evangelist. Bo, we'll let you take the lead and give us a quick background about yourself, your restaurants, and of course, Seated. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jimmy and Shatsy. Well, Shatsy, we got to start off by acknowledging the fact that uh, we are now bound together by one James Tracy. So uh, Meze Restaurant Group, which I have co-owned for 25 years, um, was put on the map, at least from a culinary perspective, by a guy named James Tracy, who's now the, the chef at Isabella's. Um, and uh, I know you're enjoying that. Uh, it wasn't. I think that was really fun that you came in and we gave you a little <laughs> surprise there. I, I, I had no idea. I hadn't seen the guy in 15 years and, and, uh, and I owe him a lot. So I'll be, I'll be a regular at Isabella's. He looked at the reservation book that night and he goes, <laughs> Bo's coming in. I'm like, oh my God, I totally forgot that you worked with Bo at Meze. Yeah, well, so that was great. It's a good sign you have a chef that looks at the book. Um, so I've, yeah, so I've, I've been in the business for a long time, uh, over the course of that time, I've had had four restaurants, um, and a large catering business, or at least large by Berkshire standards. We do about 50 or 60 weddings a year. I also invest in hospitality technology companies, um, on behalf of Graycroft, which is a local venture capital firm based here in New York, as well as have an office in LA. Um, I sit on the board of Bocaria, which I'm sure uh, many of you listeners know, um, four restaurants here in, in Manhattan, uh, two in D.C., one in Chicago, and Nashville coming soon. It's a Spanish tapas um, uh, concept. And then I'd say that the thing I'm, I'm most excited about and most proud of is, is Seated. Uh, I'm the co-founder and executive chairman at Seated, and Seated is a restaurant discovery platform that allows restaurants to offer great rewards um, to guests to incentivize them to visit at the times um, and on the days that they want them to visit. Um, and we've got about a thousand restaurants on the platform in New York, uh, and we're in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Boston as well, and expanding quickly, um, uh, even, in this, even in this challenging time. Hey, thanks for that intro, Bo. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, you've got a, we've known you for a while. You've got a great background. You're a hospitality professional. You love great food, great drink, and you're a hospitality guy. Let me start off with a couple uh, questions here in a little Q&A. You mentioned Bocaria. You know, we're big fans of Bocaria here in New York City. Like you said, you've got four locations. I'm a huge fan of also Meze, which is a, a restaurant I go to all the time up in the Berkshires when I go visit my kids up in camp. So I love that place. And as you said, uh, our chef now, uh, James, used to work for you up there. He's great. So big fan. 
let's just ask a little bit about, you still have your restaurants, but you've transitioned a lot since I've known you into becoming a, a real hospitality technology guy. You've made a bunch of investments, uh, like you mentioned, Seated. I know you're involved in Allset. You're really avid. Uh, how did you make the transition and, and what got you thinking about, you know, less involved in the restaurant business and way more involved in, in technology? Well, you know, I got I, I, I it was more that I wanted to change from because I've, I've always had the restaurants and, and the interest. But, you know, the other half of my life was in, in media and software. And I and I, I just got tired of that division. You know, I, I wanted to bring to you know both sides of, of of sort of my life together and so i just decided 5 or 6 years ago that i was going to focus on on hospitality tech because i felt like being an operator i i i know a lot about the business and i have mm-hmm. you know, a small test bed to to work with and right. and it was just passion really i i just wanted to hang out more with guys like you and less <laughs> with like software entrepreneurs you know who <laughs> are like oh, i love but like you know the hospitality business is way cooler Boy, do we have Bo fooled. Oh my yeah, no doubt. He wants, to, he wants to hang out with us. You, you know, you notice I didn't mention you, Jimmy. That, in that case, in that case, we don't we don't have you fooled at all. You've got that absolutely correct. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, sticking with that theme. Um, you know, hospitality and tech. Um, I want to talk about how hospitality has now become, you know, just such a digital business. Um, and you were one of the really, as far as we're concerned, one of the great forward thinkers, um, you know, to think about how, you know, the restaurant industry had to embrace uh, technology in a different manner and certainly you know, recognize it as a digital business. Talk about, you know, how that came to you and, and kind of how have you been anticipating the roadmap as tech now just becomes really medicine for owners and operators and no longer a nice to have, but really a must have. Yeah, it really happened when I got when I got to know Jan de Rocafor, um, who is the CEO oh, from Bocaria. Bocaria, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, when I got to know Jan, this is now going back seven or eight years ago, when he was still one or two locations. But I started to see what a larger operation could do um, with technology. You know, for a while I was. I was sort of had Meze as a, a relatively small operation, and then I, ha- I was an investor in some in some hospitality tech companies. But it wasn't until Bocaria that I saw how they can really come together, and that's when I said to Jan, I said, Jan, you know, you've got to run this like a digital business. You know, you 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 shouldn't look at this as a restaurant. You should look at this as a digital hospitality business. Um, and I think that's why he asked me to to, to join his board. Um, was that he, you know, saw that as a as a as a as a you know decent insight as well. And what I mean by that is, in the digital world, you know, everything is all decisions are made with data, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a ton of data. You know, you 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 have data on what people where they clicked and where they didn't click and and what they looked at and what they didn't look at. You know, we and we have a lot of that data in the hospitality business. You know, we know what people ordered, we know what they didn't, we we know how they got to make a reservation or how they got to place an order. Um, and so if we really start to think about restaurants as a digital business, then it becomes a lot easier to make decisions. And when we make decisions at Pocaria, we don't make them on instinct. Um, and, you know, I, I know that there's some hospitality operators who will forever work on instinct and, and, and be very successful doing it. But I think for, the, for most of us, being able to look at data is, is the right answer. And particularly as it relates to marketing, you know, and I, and that's what I, that's sort of my role at Bocaria. And we run that business 
like a digital business. We look at the seats, we look at the orders, we look at capacity, and we look at the tools that are available to us to, to fill that capacity. And, and we use them in the most you know, economically efficient way that we can. Um, and, it, it, you know, and where that leads is to a very data-driven culture. Um, and I think that that is, you know, we've been very successful at Bokery. I like to think that it has something to do with that. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And I will, uh, I, I laugh because uh, in the hospitality business, I've been in it about 25 plus years. Um, if you ask the hospitality or, a, you know, a, a restaurant owner operator, does he know about technology or does you technology? And, and, and a lot of them would say, oh yeah, I've got a, I've got a most amazing POS system. You know, I've got a POS system. And that's pretty much as far as their technology stack went. And then maybe they added open table, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, and they've got online reservations and they were like, I got the best technology. So you are right. And it is great to see. And COVID certainly uh, helped launch. And we'll get into that a lot more technology. Just just I, I know speaking to you, you always mentioned something to me, which I always found very interesting. But we always talk about it when we're having drinks and just uh, chilling. Demand generation hospitality technology. And I know it's a it's a it's a mouthful, but I know you always bring that up. I know people are like, how could he bring that up during drinks? I don't know. Bo does. He brings it up during drinks. <laughs> don't ask me why. That's what he wants to bring up. I, you know, I bring it after two. Yeah, or three I talk days. about Netflix and movies. He brings up demand generation, hospitality, technology. Can you share? Because I know what it means. Jimmy knows because we've talked about it a lot. Can you share your thoughts into our listeners and what exactly you're talking about? Yeah. Well, this this is you know, sure you have toast, sure you have open table. You know, sure, sure, you might have a, you know, a CRM, you know, like like seven rooms. You you can have all those things, and and it's great. But what are you doing with the data that's inside of those of those tools? And that's really what I mean. You know, it's how do you look at the data that's inside those tools to understand how what your capacity utilization is, and how you can generate more demand to fill the unused capacity. And right. so, you know, when you go, when you go, when you, when you figure that out and then you start looking at the tools that are available to you, you know, there's all sorts of interesting CRM tools around email. There's, there's, there's things like open table pop. There's things like seated. There's mm-hmm. even, even simple things like American express, you know, spend a hundred, get 20, you know, mm-hmm. there's Dynova. There's all these interesting tools out there that help operators generate demand. But the only way that you can even get to that discussion is to know what demand you need. Um, and you got to do that by looking at the data that's locked inside those pieces of technology that you're that, that you're using and understanding, oh, hey, you know, I walk into my restaurant at eight o'clock and it feels full, but actually if I really look at the data, it's only about 80% full. So right. how could I fill that last 20%? And, and there are a lot of tools out there to help you do that and to do it in a way that's super profitable. Because let me tell you, there's no more profitable tables than those last 20%. Because you've covered your fixed costs for the night. So every single dollar that you bring in uh, in, in, in that capacity between 80 and a hundred, or for some restaurants, it's even lower, right? Mm-hmm. It's all gravy. It's all right. profit. You know, I, I can't stand it when operators say, I only have a 10% margin on that table. Well, yeah, you only have a 10% margin on that table, but what's your margin on the room? Your margin on the room when it's full is like 35%. 
right? So these yeah. businesses look like look like software businesses when they're run at capacity, but when they're run at 50% capacity, they look bad. And so when people say the restaurant business is a bad business, I say, no, it's not. It's a great business. You just have to run it properly. No, I love that. And uh, again, Shatz and I really enjoy working with guys who grew up in this industry and are, and are really part of the fabric because, again, you understand the workflow and how this, what really drives, um, you know, success and the delineates between, between success and failure. Um, you know, you're also truly hospitality centric and on a constant cru- crusade uh, for operators and to understand the difference between the four wall economics versus table economics. Um, can you elaborate a little on that for, for our listeners? Again, the difference between the four wall economics and table economics? Yeah, that's, that's exactly you know what I said? It's just it, you. The margin. We all know that the that the profit margin on a on a table is roughly ten percent. And you know it's 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 better at at you know restaurants. Yeah, no, it's better at restaurants with lower cost of of, of food. You know, right. Italian restaurants, Mexican restaurants tend to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's higher at other. So, but it's it's all in the sort of eight to fifteen percent range. Right. Well, that and that's, you know, that's that isn't a great business by anyone's standards. But if you look at the at the at the margins of the room or of your entire restaurant, then what you see is you're balancing the revenue from the room against the fixed costs that are allocated to that room on a daily basis. Right. Which you're just taking your occupancy expenses, which include your rent, your your labor, whatever it costs for you to open the door and you're dividing it by 30, and that's the, the, the fixed cost for the day. And so what do you need to do on that day in order to cover those fixed costs? And then everything beyond that is your true profit margin. And that's mm-hmm. the four-well economics. And whenever I get an operator who understands that, then the, the whole conversation becomes a lot easier because then they, they realize that, that they can if they, if they get to their fixed costs – Right. That's the only time that they start making any margin. And then beyond that, it's all margin. Right. So it's, it's this big switch that gets flipped at some point in the day um, where all of a sudden every single piece of revenue is profit. Um, and that's when when I when when Jan and I talk about and when I talk to my my team at Meze, it's all about what was our occupancy rate. Right. You know, we know we can do a certain amount of covers a day, depending on how many meal services we have. And we usually use a two or a three turn lens, you know, want probably one turn at lunch and two or three at dinner, depending on the day and depending on the season. And we say, okay, maximum capacity is 300 covers. Right. So if if we look at the numbers, it's like, okay, we did 200. Well, that's 66% full, even though. The GM will will issue a report and say the restaurant was really full tonight. Well, it might have been right. full at one moment, but that's not that has nothing to do with the profitability of the business. And so I'm very focused on on getting the GMs at Bocaria to think about what you know. And and you know the guys at Corner Table, I, I they they say this to me. They're like 99% full ain't full. And I love that. That hundred and ten percent exactly. That's the way I to agree. think about the business. Is is how do we get a seat in every? How do we get a button every single seat? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point, and I'd like to on that note uh, shift gears a little bit and uh, and talk a little about COVID and how it's changed the uh, the current state of affairs in restaurants over the last 
uh, six, seven months. Uh, certainly here in New York City, it's it's been crazy. Uh, you know, I think tonight uh, we're going to uh, close our restaurants at 10 o'clock, indoor and outdoor. Uh, you brought up a point about 90-something or 99% of corner table. We always said that for us, uh, you know, we need 110% capacity to really uh, make money in our restaurants. So on that point, what have you seen, uh, what kind of things have you seen smart operators doing to survive during this pandemic? So there, there are four things that are going to allow the smart operators to come out of this with a better business than they had going in. Um, the first is pickup and delivery. Now, this is not true for all operators because there are some who've had a, a vibrant pickup and delivery business pre-COVID and it only got better post, but it was always a big part of their business. Mm -hmm. But at Bocaria, it was less than 2% of our business. Mm -hmm. And now it's in the double digits. And that is a great, that, that will persist and become, I believe, completely incremental. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing guests that that came in or, or do come in for dine-in are saying, hey, wait a minute, I can make Bocaria a part of my life, you know, one extra time a week or one extra time a month by doing by doing pickup or delivery. Right. And so that's a great way to take your 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 loyal dine-in customers and create a, a business that you didn't have before. The the other thing is just operations. You know, we've just had to get smarter and we've had to get leaner. So we're, we're running the business, you know, and we've had nights where we've been at pre-COVID levels in, 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 in our restaurant at, in, at Meze and, and in Bocaria, and we're running it with 30, 40% less costs. So if Amazing. we get back and persist, right, all of a sudden the business becomes a much better business. Outdoor dining. I mean, this is, this legacy, if, you know, we know we have it for another year in New York. Mm -hmm. um, if we, if we, if it's permanent, for great restaurants, it increases your capacity by 25, 50, in some cases, 100%. I was going to say, I've seen double. Yeah. If you go to Nobu in Midtown, it's, it's like they basically just opened up a brand new restaurant outside. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, yep. it's, 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 it's incredible. Yep. Um, and then the PPP, right? So, so if you use the PPP wisely um, and you got smart accountants and you've kept track of everything – you know, there's a real chance for you to emerge with a with a better balance sheet than you had going in. Um, and, you know, of all the things that that this administration, you know, I don't know what people's politics are, but, you know, th they got that right. You know, being able to bo both for the both for the operators as well as for the furloughed employees, getting them getting them you know, money through the employment unemployment system, like everybody actually ended up you know, sort of doing okay. Um, and so if, you, if, you've, if you've been able to navigate those four things, you know, next summer could be an absolute bonanza for the restaurants that make it through this. Oh, thanks, man. That was great. And I appreciate you sharing uh, really actually some of the positive that have come kind of out of the crisis, or, or if I can say that, the things we've learned, uh, greater efficiencies, uh, the outdoor dining, certainly for New York, uh, and again, the strengthening of balance sheets. Uh, I want to jump into a, uh, a segment we like to call the crystal ball uh, moment. And and I, I have to share that we inadvertently came up with this segment uh, over the last few over the last few podcasts, um, but not, to, we don't want to put you on the spot, but but yeah, we're going to put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, two years from now, um, and let's let's really hope and and expect that the the pandemic is behind us. But two years from now, um, what do, how do you see the restaurants? Uh, how do you see our industry uh, in relation to reviews, technology, 
uh, and hospitality. What are you thinking? Well, I'm glad you brought up hospitality. You know, I, I tend to get a little too focused on the economics um, because it's sort of just just you know I, I feel so strongly that that's the part of the business that that not not enough operators pay attention to. But at the core of this is hospitality, um, and you know I, I have always said that the hospitality business is fifty percent driven by passion and 50% by business. And in some cases, artistry and passion make up more than 50% of what drives the, the people who do it. Mm-hmm. That's a really good thing for getting through crises um, because you know, it's, it, economic and health crises have a hard time you know, killing artistry and passion. Um, they can kill people who are just in it for the money, um, but they but they have a hard time killing people who are in it for artistry and passion. And so I think hospitality will be strengthened in two years. I think you're going to see some just some extraordinary experiences that have come out of the creativity and the grit that the operators who will be left two years from now will have demonstrated and 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 honed during this difficult time. Technology, you know, I'm a I I think Toast is going to win. Um, and toast is going to be the central nervous system of, of, of the restaurant. Um, it used to be that you would, you would just call it a POS. And, and I think if you're using a bunch of these other, other systems, it, it, mm-hmm. it is a POS. But I think toast is vision, you know, to be the central nervous system of the restaurant is, is extraordinary. And I think you're going you're gonna to finally see what we've all wanted for a long time, which is one provider being able to give you um, – most of what you need to run the front of the back of the house. And when that stuff is, is, is condensed, it just makes everyone's life a lot easier. Um, with reviews, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't think you can, you can kill them. You know, I mean, it's, I, I we all, yeah, we, well, you know, and I look at Amazon, right? I mean, Amazon, uh, the, human nature. You know, Amazon is the largest, you know, commerce marketplace in the world. And it is entirely driven by reviews. The entire A9, which is their algorithm that you know gives you what you what you need when you search, um, is entirely driven by reviews. And I, I do think that the internet has created, for better or for worse, a situation where people's views matter more um, than than you know experts. Now, there's always going to be the top 1% or 2% of restaurants in every city where it will be driven by the Times or by Michelin or by you know, whatever your, your favorite reviewer is, that's not going to change. But I think that the, the bottom you know, 98%, most of the restaurants that we all operate and go to are going to have to get smarter about how to manage reviews because mm-hmm. it's going to continue to be a really big part of what drives people into your restaurant versus not. Yep, makes a lot of sense. Really, uh, I really appreciate that. It was a great crystal ball moment. Uh, so it looks like um, Bo is very, very optimistic. A lot of creativity. I think, Bo, I agree. We've seen such creativity over the last couple of months. Uh, we talked about the outdoor dining. Uh, restaurant operators put it together uh, boxes of to-go that you can cook in your house. Uh, pre-cooked meals you can just heat up. I mean, so many interesting things. And even just some of the outdoor streeteries that I've seen here in New York City, I mean, just so beautiful, some with lights and flowers and, you know, decor. It's, I agree that creativity is is there, and I think it's uh, it's going to th- uh, thrive. 
Uh, let's get to our, our, our next segment. It's Branded Quickfire. And this is going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. First answer that comes to your mind in the next few questions. Bo, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Dining, indoors or outdoors? Cocktails outdoors, dining indoors. <laughs> Where are you getting dinner tonight? Tonight, I'm getting dinner at uh, Anejo on Church Street in Tribeca. New York City or the Berkshires? Ugh. New York City. Oh, oh man, everyone up in the Berkshires. Meze, Meze customers. When travel resumes, where's the first place you want to visit? LA. Oh, yeah, great. And this is the big one. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of darts, who do you have a better odds of beating? Shotzi. Ah, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy just looks like a guy who's, 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 he is. who's spent time in, in bars playing darts. Yes, and he is a very good dart player. Yes. I resemble that remark. I have <laughs> fair share of time shooting darts. I got to tell you. You have to find anybody to pick that. It's always me. I am like the feeble. Oh, man. <laughs> I got to start working out. And doing some Where's the best too. place to play darts in the city? Jimmy, where'd we play with uh, with Mike that time downtown? Yeah, we were down in the East Village, and it was awesome. They had like a bunch a of dart. A, a bunch. It was like a, it was like a uh, rather than having Papa shot machines or pool tables, it was just darts everywhere, mm. uh, and it was great. And Bo, you're right; it's one of those sports or activities where uh, you you get a little better as you uh, start uh, enjoying uh, the bevy of cocktails. Uh, <laughs> it's the edge off. <laughs> I'd pick you, you to win the gold in the leisure sport Olympics, Jimmy. Yes, yes. as long as the cocktails are flowing, um, uh, when it comes. The bowling and darts, I'm yeah, very no. good. Oh, not so much. All right, listen, well, we've had a lot of fun, and uh, we really do want to thank you for joining us. We know you're really busy, uh, so we appreciate you uh, not just allocating some time, uh, but we also appreciate the the very hard work you do to support uh, this industry, um, an industry that we, we love um, and is really going through, as many others are, but truly going through a very difficult time right now, uh, and you're doing a lot, you and your team, and C did all that to be helpful uh, to owners and operators, and that's really awesome. Uh, to our listeners, um, you know, we, if you want to get in touch with Bo directly, uh, here, I'll give you a cell phone and his personal email. No, <laughs> but um, if you want to get in touch with him directly, um, you can uh, email Branded, and by that, you'll email at admin at brandedstrategic.com, and we'll be happy to make that connection. Um, we are planning when in-person and, uh, and get-togethers are more permissible. Brands can be running a few roundtables, a few social events. Bo has been kind enough to offer to participate one where we can do a little more in-person Q&A with him. So if you're interested in, in, in attending that, um, and we're both generally usually offered his time, please shoot us a note at admin at brandedstrategic.com, and we'll get you an invite to that event. And to our listeners, I told you at the top of the show, I told you that Bo would have a special offer for you. So here we go. Seated is offering any restaurant in their markets, New York City, Boston, Atlanta, Chicago, Philly, uh, that signs up for Seated through the Branded Podcast will receive free guests from the seated network all Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays until the end of the year. So there's a lot there. There's a lot to unravel. You can email admin at brandedstrategic.com. We'll walk you through it, connect you to Bo and the team at Seated. But Seated is offering any restaurant, 
in their markets, free customers, free guests, Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays till the end of the year. Please take advantage of that while Bo is kind enough to offer it. Finally, to our listeners, um, we appreciate you taking the time to tune in uh, and listen to the podcast. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and we appreciate and value that you choose to hang out with us. So please, um, the next time we'll be getting together uh, with our friend, Mr. Andrew Smith. Uh, the oh, that's going to be a good one. Yes, the managing partner of the Savory Fund, uh, another longstanding owner and operator who's doing a, some really great things out in Utah and across the country. So please check the timing on that and join us the next time. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. So you don't miss out on the exciting guests we'll be having in the future. And better yet, invite a friend to hang out with us the next time. So this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, signing off, and I'll pass it to my boy, Shatsy. Thanks, Jimbo. And I will just uh, say, I got to tell you, we've got an A-list, starting off with Bo today, we've got an A-list round of celebrity people coming over the next couple of weeks on the Hospitality Hangout. I don't know how we're getting them. I don't know what we're doing, but it's unbelievable. So thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Shatsy, the restaurant guy. And until next time. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.